0: Well, good morning everyone again. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to kick off Missions Month and yeah, how, let's start by praying. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a gracious God and we thank you so much for this church and giving us this month uh, to refocus on the topic of missions. And we thank you for giving us your scriptures and for your Holy Spirit who inspired them and teaches us. And we pray that you would help us as we read this part of the word today, to understand it, to believe it, and to live in the light of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you could keep your Bibles open to Psalm 67. Um, Have you noticed that, yeah, just recently, that the feeling blessed is really trendy right now? Um, So, hashtag blessed. I just had a look on Instagram uh, the other day and the hashtag blessed has over 111 million posts. So that's a lot of people feeling blessed, right? So what does the online community consider blessed? Well, here are some results. Like I'm not trying to incriminate anyone, but um, I found the equivalent um, uh, things through searching on stock photography. Uh, So here you go. Best place to start... The morning, hashtag blessed. Uh, hanging, uh, best meal ever, blessed, hashtag blessed. Hanging out with my besties, hashtag blessed. Uh, just graduated, hashtag blessed. Um, exotic travel location, hashtag blessed. Just graduated and had an exotic travel location, hashtag blessed. <laughs> there are plenty of other examples um, but uh, you don't, maybe you don't use social media a whole lot, uh, but most of you here are sitting uh, as Asians, and so you'll probably know what this is. The ubiquitous red envelope. So you've got the Chinese characters, luck, good fortune, and happiness. But there's a Turkish photographer called Ugar Gelenkis I think that's how you pronounce it, who creates digital collages that juxtaposes those who have and those who have not. So here are a few examples. One more. Uh, One more. Here. Um, But if we consider closer to home, what about when we encounter an unexpected turn of events? When we fall in hard times, lose our job, or our health uh, takes a turn for the worse? Are we then hashtag not blessed? Well, today we're going to look at a portion of Scripture to see a different take on what it means to be blessed and how that connects with missions. The Book of Psalms is the largest collection of poetry in the Bible. It includes uh, individual songs, prayers, laments from all different periods in Israel's history. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets who learned to pray and hope like David. They also include a lot of community psalms, so it's likely that many of these psalms would have been used in community worship in the temple. The Bible Project puts it like this. The Book of Psalms is designed as a virtual temple for all generations of God's people. It is designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own. They are poems for exiles who are learning to live in God live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world, as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God. So we come to point one prayer, the abundant generosity of God, and that's verses one to two so uh, this psalm opens with a prayer notice that this psalm isn't sung by an individual verse one may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us these are words spoken by israelites to their god who is none other than the creator god the maker of all things the source of all blessing the giver and sustainer of life but there's a deeper backstory to the relationship between Israel and God. For the Israelites, God was much, much more. He chose them to be his special people. He linked their link through history to Abraham. They were called to be the people of God. The narrative goes back to Moses. When God rescued them from slavery in Egypt, he gave them the law, instructions on how to live God's way. They were to be different to those of the surrounding nations. There's a significant relationship that has history and association that goes way back. So there is a deep significance to the prayer by Israel. For God to be gracious and to bless someone means that he delights in them. He wishes them well. He's fully committed to achieving their good. Even when Israel rebelled time and time again, God showed unmerited favour in rescuing them. God forgave them and continued to faithfully love them, providing them the temple, the priesthood, the sacrificial system as a means to forgive their sin. For God's face to shine upon us, that means that we can receive his warmth and goodness that only comes from an intimate, personal relationship with him. A shining face is the opposite of an angry or scowling face. And a face turned towards someone is the opposite of a face turned away in indifference or disgust. A shining face implies favour, the desire to wish well upon someone, showing someone grace. It also implies friendliness and warmth that you'd expect in a loving relationship. The language of the first verse of this psalm echoes the blessing God told Aaron and and the high priest to say to the people of Israel in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. I'll read. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. There's an intimacy and a warmth to these words. But God's abundant generosity goes beyond wanting to bless just Israel it is clear in verse 2 that the purpose of blessing Israel is so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. There's this desire that for the Gentiles to possess the same blessing as Israel, which is to know God and his saving power. To put it in other words, it is the nations of the world that they, they might come to hear God's ways to put their trust in him and be, so be saved. A quick sample of other Psalms, um, we learn there are how, just wonderful, how wonderful God's ways really are. In Psalm 25 verse 10, "...all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant." Psalm 77 verse 13 says, Your ways, God, are holy. Psalm 145 verse 17, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Indeed, in verse 2, the psalmist makes a deliberate reference to the covenant that God makes with Abraham in the opening verses of Genesis 12. There, God promises this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verses 2 to 3. It isn't like an election promise that politicians make and then go, Oh, shucks, can't commit for some reason or another. No, this is a rock-solid commitment to the world. It is a commitment, firstly, to choose a people for himself, to bless them, and then, through them, bring blessing to all the peoples on earth. Many people around the world still do not know of God's abundant generosity, his ways, or his salvation. Just do a search online for blessing rituals, and we find examples like these. In Taiwan, uh, this is not a scene from Mad Max, uh, but actually, in Taiwan, there's a ritual where crowds can throw cry- firecrackers at this guy that's tied to a car cart, um, and you know, uh, by enduring pain, you're able to get rid of evil spirits and change luck for the year ahead. Uh, these men let themselves get burned to show strength, um, I don't know, mas- masculinity, and bring prosperity to the local merchants who hire them. Next slide. So, in Cambodia, you've got monks uh, conducting water blessings by um, chanting harmoniously to, to wish people good luck and happiness whilst pouring cold, blessed water uh, over people's heads. Next slide. In Malaysia, you've got like uh, devotees, some devotees fasting like 48 hours, having their cheeks pierced with a symbolic spear, and then carrying religious burdens heavier than their own weight for miles, uh, just uh, to honour their vows to a Hindu god of war. Uh, the Japanese, well, they still make p- pilgrimages often to local shrines or temples for various events, um, life events, and to, they rely on good luck charms uh, for success and protection. Uh, but there are plenty more people in the countries just mentioned and elsewhere in the world who have traded the gods of shrines and temples for the gods of materialism and education. In the light of Missions Month and looking at this portion of Scripture today, we need to ask ourselves, do we genuinely have an interest in others knowing God's ways? Are we concerned that the saving power of God would be displayed to all nations? Or are we content with finding ourselves looking for a church where we can just be comfortable just to sit back to consume. We need to be people of transformation and not just information. Do we have a passion for God's ways to be known beyond just our own family or our friends or our church? The kingdom of God is so abundant. Abundant. God is generous and is able to bless you abundantly. It is His desire to be gracious to us, to bless us He's 100% committed to your well-being. But here's the thing, God never blesses you except that you would be a blessing to others. He never calls you in for intimacy without then sending you out in sacrificial sacrifice. Sacrificial service. I mean, God never blesses you just to fill up your happiness tank. Rather, God blesses you to fuel your life, sometimes in the most unexpected ways, in order for you to go out into the world in sacrificial service. It spurs us to be generous in practicing hospitality, in getting involved in mercy ministries, in order to share the good news that we have about Jesus. God's blessing is meant to be shared. So that's our first point, prayer, the abundant generosity of God. Point two, praise the overflowing joy of the nations, and that's verses 3 to 5. We learn in this section the results of the nations coming to know God and experiencing his grace and his presence. The effect of this blessing goes beyond the salvation of the nations. Its ultimate effect is for the nations to be glad and sing for joy and to experience God's goodness in ruling with justice and wisdom. And that's verse 4. In other words, the nations can't help but to praise God when they come to know him as king and as a great shepherd. He is worthy of all honour, glory, wisdom and strength. This idea is bookmarked by the repetition of the refrain, May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. The nations find their existence in praising the true and living God. It's not a burden to them, but a total delight. When it comes to missions, we need a commitment to joy instead of a mere duty. We need to renew our commitment to joy because we are part of the peoples referenced in verse 3 to 5. We need to praise God and we need to have joy. Worship is not just good for your soul, but it's good for your mind and your body. Uh, so when, when you sample the whole of Psalms, praise is focused upon God declaring who he is and what he has done. In Psalm 67, praise is founded on God's just rule and his wisdom to guide us through the messiness of life. Mark Sayers, in his podcast, This Cult- Cultural Moment, argues that the Western culture today may be thought of as wanting all the benefits of the kingdom without accepting the authority of the king that is today we want many of the values that jesus spoke of and taught on such as equality forgiveness justice mercy but we refuse to acknowledge the authority of the one who gives them and the price at which they cost We even think that overall the world is improving and progressing towards some sort of final utopia of human flourishing where the best vision uh, we have is the here and now. So it's a world of batched, brewed, coffee, uh, complete financial um, freedom and just endless experiences of travel. We want the kingdom but without the king. But when you live outside the kingdom of God, you view the world not as a place of abundance but instead in a world of scarcity. So we're exhausted, we're anxious, constantly comparing and competing with one another because we're in this permanent state of hurry and distraction where the mantra is, you've got to enjoy it all now. So go and download uh, the, the endless Next Netflix series, you Uber a ride, you Uber Eat, that meal. Airbnb, that holiday destination. Uh, Instagram Live, that moment before that next economic, political, social downturn. But when you're focusing on God and you experience His presence and you slow down, then it's then that you can be in that moment of peace because God is in charge and He is abundant. Even in suffering and hardship, if trials come upon you, he can give you joy in that. Johannes Hartel writes in in his book, Heartfire, praise is the conscious act of turning one's inward gaze to God and making his beauty and greatness more important to you than all the darkness and sorrows you face. When we begin to focus on him more intently, something incredible begins to happen. Rather than joy being contained, there is this overflow of joy. Praise is likened to a garment in Isaiah sixty-three verse uh, 61 verse 3. Clothing really speaks of our identity. We can develop this identity of negativity and despair, seeing scarcity instead of abundancy. But God wants to change that. He wants us to take off that spirit of despair and to put on that garment of praise. In in this age of so much distraction, God wants to create a different people that focuses upon him in praise. We're so wonderfully privileged week in and week out to have musicians uh, serve to help us praise God, to remind us what we have in Christ and to remind us what... We want the nations to have. And so when we sing, we we should do so with loud voices, with gusto, uh, certainly. But it should also spur us to long, long for other peoples, tribes and nations to sing in their heart languages, praises to God, who rules with equity and guides with wisdom. Do we share in that same enthusiasm? Do we really want our family, neighbors, and friends to join us in worshipping God? Do we want to see many different ethnic groups in Sydney as part of God's family? Do we long for the peoples of Asia, Europe, Africa, the Americas, and the Middle East to be in a position where they too can know God and to rejoice in Him? Psalm 67 certainly challenges me. How about you? Point three, the promise. Blessings now and not yet. Verses 6 to 7. So the psalm ends with a promise in uh, in the verses 6 and 7, reinforcing the connection between God's blessing of Israel and the implications for the rest of the world. We read, Then the land will yield its harvest, and God... Our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. In the times of the ancient Near East, people would view uh, the harvest of abundant crops as a sign of God's blessing. It was a big deal for them. But interestingly, in the context of this psalm, we see that the focus is not on material blessings for the world, but spiritual ones. That is, God Himself is the ultimate blessing. There is this hope for the day when God's blessing will extend beyond Israel to encompass the whole world. The promise is that through blessing Israel, all the ends of the earth will fear him. And when the Bible talks about fearing God, it isn't talking about a cowering fear um, of a slave towards his master. No, it's one of reverence and awe, Of a child towards their loving father. So we do see glimpses of hope in the Old Testament stories of Gentiles coming to know and join Israel in worshipping the one true and living God. And we see this fulfillment of the hope of Psalm 67 become a reality in the New Testament when Jesus came to suffer, die, and rise again, and the subsequent proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it continues even now. We are waiting for the end um, that we see in Revelation when the Lamb of God, that is Jesus, when he has purchased with his blood people from every nation, those people will form a multitude that no one can count from every tribe, tongue and people group worshipping and saying Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Today, really, it's an opportunity. It's a great opportunity to recalibrate our thinking on the biblical concept of blessing and mission. Now, you might not subscribe to the social media's concept of hashtag blessed, but has the culture around you uh, shaped the Christian version of, of a blessed life equating to a successful life. A loving marriage, obedient children, a vibrant ministry, a healthy body, a successful career, trusted friends, financial abundance. Although forms of material blessing are not excluded by the high priest's blessing, they're only meant to be part of it and definitely not the emphasis of the blessing. More desirable is that God himself blesses his people with his presence and to enter into a gracious personal relationship with his people. We need to turn to Jesus' teaching on what it means to be truly blessed as found in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. And so he teaches this. You are very blessed when you see your spiritual poverty because you are in the process of receiving mercy and his grace. You are very blessed when you, are, when you mourn and you grieve over your personal sin. You are very blessed when you recognize that you are meek and limited, whereas God is great and he's limitless. You are very blessed when you want to be right with God and to yearn for his forgiveness and righteousness. You are very blessed when you become merciful and you become keen to forgive others. You are very blessed when you have a desire to be godly, to pursue holiness, to practice godliness. You are very blessed when you are a peacemaker, when you no longer have this tense relationship with God and you no longer want to have a tense relationship with others. You are very blessed when you are being persecuted for just living for Jesus. It's so countercultural. None of what Jesus teaches about blessing in the Beatitudes is connected with material prosperity. On the contrary, blessing is typically connected with either poverty and trial or spiritual benefits of being joined by faith. To him. Now the author Venetha rendell Wisner writes this. Scripture shows that blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in Him, anything that draws us closer to Jesus, anything that helps us relinquish the temporal and hold on more tightly to the eternal. And often it is the struggles and trials the aching disappointments and the unfulfilled longings that best enable us to do that. She continues, pain and loss transforms us. While they sometimes unravel us, they can also push us into a deeper life with God that we, can, that we ever thought possible. They make us rest in God alone. Not what we can do or achieve for him, and not what he can do or achieve for us. We long for God's presence, and he satisfies that longing. So it's right to pray that we can see him more in our daily lives, that we can know him and his ways more and more, that we can experience the joy of fellowship with him more and more. But let's continue to pray, pray, for, pray into that next step that God and his ways be known on earth, that his salvation be known amongst all nations. Let's pray for those around us who don't yet know God, for those people and language and culture groups that don't have church communities with which to belong. Let's pray too for more distant nations, for peoples there to join in praising God. Pray especially for Malaysia, Taiwan, Japan, where we send missionaries to serve the church there and the ongoing outreach and discipleship. Pray also that God would raise up men and women sitting amongst us here today who are considering taking up the cross and going into cross cultural mission. That God would provide for them abundantly in order for God's blessings to be shared shared through their faithful witness. Let's pray such prayers in confidence, knowing that they are based on God's promises. We often remember the, the, the front part of the Great Commission, right? But Jesus' words at the end are, are a fantastic reminder that missions is never to be done with our own strength, but through the blessing of his presence. And so we read... Jesus' words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's God's presence, His Spirit. God has richly blessed us with a relationship with Him in Christ. We're to be glad and to rejoice in the salvation that we have received. But we're to never lose sight that such blessing doesn't end with us. It is part of God's greater plan for the nations to be glad, to sing with joy, to worship him. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we We praise you, Lord, that you are the maker of all things, that you are the source of all blessing, that you are the giver and sustainer of life. Thank you for the tremendous blessing of knowing you and to experience your presence that's only made possible by Jesus' death and resurrection. Thank you that you, you love all nations and that you are at work even now bringing people into your kingdom to know of your salvation. We pray that the hearts of many people, Jew and Gentile, would know, acknowledge, and to respond with overflowing joy in praise for the blessing of your salvation through Jesus. May you, may those who follow you, may they experience your just rule and your guidance. Help us take off those garments, the spirit of despair, and put on those garments of joy. Help us to see the importance of missions and help us to find our role in the work of the kingdom, whether it be to learn, to pray, to send, to give, or even to go themselves. We pray this for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen.